Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. Here we will delicately and tactfully walk through each psychological issue. Psych! This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. This is not intended as individual, psychological, or medical advice. Please proceed at your own risk and always defer to your individual medical or mental health care team. Basically, don't make it weird, guys. Right. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shit Your Shrink Thanks. Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> hey, that's a good song. That's a new song that I didn't I didn't know that song. Oh, completely ad lib. So talented. You know, you are talented. Talented lady. <laughs> I I told Michaela today that I didn't really like the intro song. I had take my breath away. Yeah. And bow, bow. mine was like a rock song that yeah. I don't know all the lyrics to. Yeah. So. <laughs> so we're just, I mean, it's on, it was on brand and it was on what the topic would be today, which is biofeedback, but we just, no. Sorry, guys. Yeah. No. The <laughs> songs weren't quite fitting right. They weren't fitting. They weren't fitting. Next time. Next time. Next time. Next, next time. time. So speaking of, today we're going to be doing an episode on biofeedback, and we'll talk about what that is. But before, as usual, I wanted to remind everybody that if you are interested in a specific topic area, we can have you reach out to us at shityourshrinkthinks at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram, Twitter, um, and then go ahead and just like and subscribe to our podcast if you're enjoying it. And if mm -hmm. you're super enjoying it, we've got a Patreon www.patreon.com forward slash shit your shrink thanks yeah so what's good with you this week so i've got a couple things so first i just wanted to note back on last week's episode about introversion and extroversion mm -hmm. i feel like we really focused on the need to kind of go against the grain mm -hmm. and but i feel like we focused on that probably because we are helping people who are 10 yeah yeah, like they're engaging it to an extent that they're detriment. Right. You know, that's a great point. And yeah. so I think we were really focused on going against the grain. So I did just want to say, however, for most people, just learning which way you are is really just validation and confirmation on what you physiologically need to restore your energy. That's a good point. Yeah. So yeah, I know Like we definitely focus, I think, on the change aspect of it. <laughs> Absolutely. But we're therapists. That's what we focus on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. Everybody here should kind of keep in mind that the majority of people that we see are coming into our office because they have labeled something as not working in their lives mm -hmm. and they're interested in something changing. So we're not in the business of people staying the same necessarily. And so we think of things a lot of the times from that lens. Right. So we're trying to show you skills to change something if you want to. But a lot of the times people are super comfortable with their introversion or extroversion traits. Yeah. And those are great. We don't actually need to change those if those are not a problem. Right, right. Just be aware of what you need and make sure you're taking that time for yourself. But yeah, because we tend to see the people who lean a little too hard into it. Yeah. <laughs> I think we focused a little bit on that aspect. So I just kind of wanted to bring that back around and remind people that, yeah, it's okay to lean into what you're, what you feel you need. We were just, we're used to people leaning a little too far. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the funny thing that the funny and the not as great thing about therapy services for social work and for psychology. A, a lot of us our business is trademarked or focused really on pathology or what mm -hmm. the problem is. And I always just thought for so long that we really need to be focusing on what people are doing well. Yeah. It would be so Build cool. on the strength instead. Yeah. Yeah. A resiliency focused model. It would be so cool if we could just do, there would be psychologists and social workers who did therapy for people who are struggling, but it would be so cool to do a wellness practice. I think that would Ooh, be the most- Like people who are actually functioning decently, but yeah. just helping them further yeah. expand just, themselves. Yeah. Performance improvement sort yeah. of thing of you're already doing great, but how can we use your already existing great introversion tactics to then further leverage you into something more powerful? It, like to evolve you, that would right. be such a cool thing. But yeah, that's not actually how the model is necessarily set up now. Yeah. Uh, we I do feel like a those. lot of social worker based things are strength based. Like they, they definitely try to say that in the schooling. Right. But when you get into the thick of it, you're looking at what the problem is and what needs to be done to address it. Very sometimes. true. Very true. Yeah. I think I was also trained on strengths based, but it doesn't 
practically work out that way. But also I think too, we are both in a field or a business where we see kind of a very severe group mm-hmm. of people. And so maybe if we were less. <laughs> That's true. We weren't seeing quite as severe people maybe. Yeah. And, and I think those people are so detached from their strengths that all they can ta- like see is the problem. So then it's hard for us to see all those strengths if they can't yeah. fully see them yet either or express them or. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. basically in the ER world of mental health. <laughs> yeah. And so here, you're talking to, to ER providers and we're like, I don't know, just take the bullet out and stop the bleeding. And then uh, <laughs> that's so that might be our framework from time to time. And we might be uh, we might slip on the strengths focusing. Yes, we were trained that way. But right. The reality of it. Plus, also, we're in a pandemic. So it's hard to do us. <laughs> it's hard to do a strengths face focus model when we're all just basically trying to live survive yeah 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 Yeah. so anyway but yeah i really like that point that was a good point that you can lean into your traits and that that would be a good thing right and my other what's good was just a small metaphor from buddha that i've definitely said a time or two small metaphor from a big man yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) killing myself okay go on holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die Ooh. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I heard a, I don't know if it's a metaphor or a story, where a man had his son, a man and his son got into a fight. And the son said, Dad, I hate you and I never want to see you again. Mm. And his dad said, okay, I love you, son. I want you to go take this bag of nails and this hammer and I'd like you to go out to the fence out there and I want you to hammer these nails into that fence. And the son comes back and says, I did your stupid job. I hammered these nails into this fence. Mm -hmm. And the dad said, okay, now take them out. And the son takes the nails out. And the dad says, well, it's good as new, right? And the son says, no, I can see all the holes from the nails that you made me ram into the fence. And the dad (laughs) says, that is like words spoken in anger. You can put a nail in and you can take it out, but it still leaves a hole. Mm. And it's not as though it never happened. So be careful what you say to people because it matters. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. 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 And really, I think, I mean, with anger, if you think about it, you're you're dwelling on that person. You're letting them take up space in your head rent free. Yeah. And that other person might not even have a fucking clue. They're living their life happy as can be. And you're sitting over here stewing in your anger. And like, so I really like it because it is you're you're the one that's getting poisoned by dwelling Mm -hmm. and focusing on all those things. There, but but you're dwelling on it, hoping that they die. <laughs> well, and if you think about people, I think about the people who make me most angry, and usually those people are pretty ignorant of right. Yeah, they're doing. They don't have a clue. <laughs> so they're like, that is why I am angry at them because they are acting ignorantly, <laughs> and then it's I'm being super mad. They're not gonna get it, so right. there's not really a, a a product there. It doesn't take the anger away, but it soothes it a right. little bit. Yeah, but yeah. So what's your what's good, Sunny? Well, this had happened a couple weeks ago, but I was just really excited about it. <laughs> it's so stupid, but so I take my dog to doggy daycare once in a while, and uh, my dog may or may not have one dog of the week. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. Aww. And they so they write up a little description. They take a picture of the dog, and they write up a little description, and they post it on the interior of the store and then on their social media, and they talk about what the dog likes to do, the dog's <laughs> hobbies. Okay, okay, I got it here. Who the dog is friends with. Oh. And yeah, so my dog is apparently f- best friends with a dog named Lizzo, which makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> and also, my dog's favorite hobby is allegedly, quote, to climb on top of all of the cages, look down on all of the other dogs, and to chill and vibe. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, that, I thought that was great. I was like, that is. That feels like what I want to do is to <laughs> climb on I'm the on cages. I'm on top of the world. <laughs> look Woof. down and chill I'm and vibe. I'm on top of the world. Woof. Woof. <laughs> yeah, that's her. That's her. So yeah, that was it. I just, my dog's a good dog. That's the whole she thing. She is a good dog. She's such a little sweetie. Yeah, She's I just a- love her. And that was the good thing. So I love it. So what did you do for your outside of podcast experiment? And how did it go? I was watching, well, I did, I finished the, what was it? The five factor test. Mm-hmm. And I did discover that I was more in the extroversion scale. Really? Yeah. So I had a, it was like 60%, 40%. It wasn't a hard cut mm-hmm. i barely flew onto the extroversion scale and so i did that for homework and i tried to notice based on that whether i was more 
reward approach or punishment averse. Mm -hmm. And I found I'm, I'm pretty much about neutral. I don't, I used to be really punishment averse, but I think now I, at grad school just beat that out of me. So <laughs> really, you can't really punish me anymore because I'm like, don't worry. I already think I'm stupid. It's fine. <laughs> so I, I've discovered I'm about neutral based on the test. I'm kind of an ambivert with a slight extrovert lean, but not right. right. I tend to flex based on the group of people I'm around. Fair. And yeah. So, the, but I would say that if I'm going to get a reward nowadays, I'm also, I, I it needs to be a big reward. Mm. So I can't just, I mean, you've got to pay me a lot of money or a <laughs> lot of attention or a lot of compliments. Like I don't just Little get, things don't blip the radar uh -uh, much. Yeah. No, no. I, yeah. So I need a lot to go one way or the other way. I think I'm pretty neutral. What about you? How was your homework? Yeah, I was going to retake the Myers-Briggs assessment to see where I am on things, and I just genuinely didn't have the time, the opportunity, or working equipment uh, oh, yeah, to get it right. done. Yeah, Michaela's computer exploded, you guys. I mean, not literally exploded, but it's not, Off it's not working. It's in outer space now. <laughs> <laughs> we launched it. It's orbiting the planet. No, it just didn't turn on. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry about that, by the way. That sucks. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is. It is what it is. But I do still want to take the test. Um, and I probably could have done it on my phone or, you know. It's kind of hard. But yeah, it took, a, it took just... a long time for me to do it on my phone. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. And I did get whatever the type is, protagonist type. Ooh. So that's, it's a little man who looks like Aragorn. You got standing. that. So, and that was the same yeah. one you had that one mm -hmm. time. Okay. Okay. Yep. So it, it was. You're which, still the protagonist. Which makes sense because I'm always just this dutiful, obligated, do, <laughs> do the right thing, even though I hate everything <laughs> sort of person. And so, yeah, it makes sense. I'd be really interested to see what yours was. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. I've never seen one that. I, maybe you'll have to send me the one that you did that had that kind of an outline. Yeah. Because the one that I've done before like, just kind of gives you like the letters. It doesn't necessarily tell you. Oh, yeah. I'll find it. I'll find it. I've got a lot of stuff to, to send to you this week. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So this week we're going to be talking about biofeedback. Uh, and as usual, we're going to start with the question of what even is biofeedback? <laughs> so biofeedback is what we would call a complementary and alternative medicine. So a standard practice medicine would be something like mm, a antibiotic mm. or a flu shot or for therapy, it would be cognitive behavioral therapy. It's your gold standard. Those are your primary right. first line defenses. A complementary and alternative medicine is something that is new and developing that you use as an adjunctive treatment. Right. And so, in addition to. Exactly. Yeah. So if you were, uh, for example, let's say you had cancer and you were getting chemotherapy, then you might also use, let's say, Tai Chi and yoga mm. as a complementary and alternative medicine for pain management. Yeah. Right. So complementary and alternative medicines can be yoga, Tai Chi, Qigong, certain types of acupuncture. Mm -hmm. These are the types of domain. And biofeedback is one of those things. Biofeedback is when a therapist or, well, it doesn't even have to be a mental health therapist. It can be different types of therapists. This is where the medical and the mental health kind of overlap. Mix a little. Yeah. 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 So I, I was trained in this, but I know a lot of physical therapists do this. I've seen chiropractors who do this. So it's kind of a across the board. And it's when a, we train a client how to decrease signs of their sympathetic nervous system arousal. So we decrease their fight or flight response through training. Right. Yeah, it's really a mind-body technique in which individuals are learning how to modify their physiology for the purpose of improving their physical, mental, and emotional health. I freaking love biofeedback, by the way. I just, <laughs> I just think it's such a cool – I really enjoy doing it. I yeah. really enjoy providing the technique. Sunny is definitely the expert in this. I The closest that I have done to this is like putting the breathing monitor on a finger of a, inmates. Oh. <laughs> you know? So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like while trying to teach them deep breathing with anger management stuff. Yes. Like that's the, that's the closest that I've done to this. So yes. my – my, this is not my expertise, for yes, sure. Yes, yes. I would say believe Michaela much more on the violent stuff. I So my background and training is in, I think I have mentioned maybe once, health psychology, which is just the 
overlap between your physical health and your mental health. Mm -hmm. And when I picked this topic, I kind of didn't think about that. Oh, yeah, I'm the only one trained in this. So (laughs) so, he's like, this will be real easy. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So Michaela's going to add information, but it it might be a sunny, heavy episode. So sorry about that, guys. I'll try to throw in some funnies. (laughs) For those of you who are the Michaela fans, like, sorry about your ear holes here. I'm going to do my best to keep it entertaining. But so, yes, biofeedback, it requires the initial phase of it requires the placement of sensors that gather data about your physical body. So I would place a sensor on you, a little finger monitor, like what Michaela was describing with the Mm -hmm. inmates, and it will tell me what your heart rate is. I can place a respiration belt on you, and that will move and sense when your breath is going into your belly. It will be placed around your belly and it will go up and down and it will sense how many breaths you're taking per minute, how deep or shallow the breaths are. Mm -hmm. We can do something with EMG sensors where we place it on certain parts of your body that maybe you're holding tension in and we see what level of tension you're carrying in that part of your body. We can place a galvanic skin response measure, which uh, measures sweating. It's just a little tool that measures the amount that you sweat. Funny enough, that's what sometimes is used in lie detectors. Ooh. Where Um, do they place those? I'm curious. So it totally depends on the protocol. Okay. So for example, let's say I was doing a chronic mm, tension headache protocol. And I know, for example, that this person carries, they're describing to me that they have like uh, maybe trapezius muscle tension where they like are constantly scrunching their shoulders shoulders. and neck are tight all the time. Mm -hmm. And maybe I would put an EMG on their shoulders okay, um, to see what the tension is there. I would put the respiration belt around the belly always. That's always where that goes. Right. The heart rate monitor always goes on just finger. The skin temperature sensor usually goes on one of the fingers. Oh. And the galvanic skin temperature or the galvanic skin response, I don't use that one a lot because I don't find that as reliable. That's fair. So I believe that one goes on your hand, but I haven't used that one in a hot minute. I mean, palms do get sweaty. Mm -hmm. I would think that like the fingers wouldn't be a good spot at all but yeah. i could see the palms or like palm, okay i think but i'm not i'm not 100 percent sure on that one because that one isn't as reliable in the data that sounds I yeah really... i mean the breathing like that stuff is mm-hmm. that's very correlated yeah. and very <laughs> yeah which is funny. studied yeah because it's, it's like some people it's like okay well let's say you're on a medication then why would you, sometimes that will impact your sweating you're sweating yeah, yeah. could intense increase or mm-hmm. decrease exactly yeah yeah exactly. that's true yeah so there are a lot of people who are just sweaty teddies there are a lot of people who are not and also it's hard to place the sensors if you have a sweaty teddy it's hard to get them stick. <laughs> we're trying to test your sweat but you're too sweaty to test your sweat <laughs> you're slick like a dolphin baby <laughs> like i can't get this on you oh, so i wish sweaty. i could make a dolphin noise it'd sound terrible <laughs> good yeah you're, you're welcome for that so these are this is what we measure it's just those are the kind of data that we gather so based on that we can talk a little bit hopefully it's okay with you about what uh initial intake session of biofeedback would look like who does it what sorts of data would we gather what would it mean do you know anything about that i know that you haven't been in that particular domain before but what did you guys learn in the field you know, kind of in social work and mental health outside of specialized training? I mean, my knowledge is kind of to what you've already said that, you know, various professionals can perform it, you know, that a lot of physical therapists, trainers, you know, yes, those are the people who often do it and mental health therapists too, obviously, and chiropractors. Yeah. Um, And my understanding is there is a lot of different protocols and it's not completely standardized. Again, like you said, it kind of, you have to adjust it for each person and what the, what the, there's so many different diagnoses that are used in, yes. you know, that they end up using this treatment in adjunct. So that changes, I mean, depending on the what you're coming in with your problem, depending on yes. all those things change. So it's not totally standardized. It's my understanding. You are, you have nailed every part of that. So I'll give some examples of why somebody might come in and then what I would do in a case of biofeedback. So the most common thing I see is some kind of headache disorder, some kind of issues with headache that might have a mental health origin, some kind of chronic pain stuff, some kind of anxiety stuff. Mm -hmm. But usually that 
imagine if you had a fight or flight system activated all of the time. Right. Yeah. There are some people who just don't even click out of it, guys. They're basically always in that mode. Yeah. And so just like, or high stress levels, stress management skills. And we'll go through like what are more evidence supported later, but those are common ones that people will come in with. Mm -hmm. And so what I would do is, oh, and I wanted to validate too, the thing that you said about lots of different providers do this treatment the most common people i think are physical therapists that sounds like it would be yeah yeah, more in their realm yeah so for example i know women who are postpartum will go to pelvic floor specialists Mm, and for example let's say i even have a client right now who's going for um she has some like constipation issues and a lot of it was resulting from childbirth And Mm. so then you help this person to feel inside. You can insert like balloons or wands to learn about the person's muscle tension and pressure and then help them squeeze these balloons or wands out of the cavities. And so it will give biological feedback like on the The computer screen when they insert the wand. So it's like, nope, you're not squeezing in the right place. I can literally see that you are not squeezing. squeezing. Yeah. You're not squeezing your ass correctly. You're not squeezing your booty. (laughs) Make that booty work. Booty work. Work. Right. So they play that song over and over again and they look at the computer. I would need that song. I think if I was somebody sticking a wand up my ass. I would need a lot of 2000s rap. And I would need some breathing exercises. Yes. Yes. Well, that's actually what they, so like they will help you relax and they'll say, okay, let's put a respiration belt on you and see what your breathing is like. And then we'll put this wand sensor inside of you and we'll see what your muscle tension is like. And it literally displays on a computer screen in front of your face right and biofeedback is when you then learn the biological signal what it actually feels like in your body right based on the feedback that's on the computer to help you reintegrate understanding of what you're doing physically and how that's affecting things right yeah the the, the computer helps validate what you're experiencing and so you can better learn those correlations between what your body is doing and and then how to do how to get your body to do what you want it to do right right <laughs> so so a standard intake session would be i would put all of these different kinds of sensors on you like you came in for anxiety for example put all of these sensors on you and these sensors would connect to a little device in the middle. Uh, there's different devices. You don't really need to worry about it, but it's an intermediary device that connects to the computer. Okay. The laptop will then display, mm, let's say, a baseline scene, just a sunny beach. Nothing happening. Oh. They have I, like little pretty pictures in behind. Yeah, That's yeah. nice. Yeah. And I say, <laughs> I say, hey, homie, look at the sunny beach for 10 minutes and just chill. Chill and vibe like my dog. (laughs) And so I collect data from those five sensors while you're looking at this chill and vibe scene. You're doing nothing. Right. Getting a baseline. Yeah, just getting a baseline. Then I give you a stressor. So maybe I would say, hey, I need you to do these math problems. I need you to start with the number 100 and subtract 7 and keep subtracting 7 out loud. So 93 and so on. And you would keep subtracting seven. Okay. This stresses people out. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's math. <laughs> Unless you're math. Wait, if somebody is like a legit mathematician and that's just how their brain works, because my father would be able to do this in seconds and be it'd be no problem. There's other stressor tasks. Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. yeah so for example, well, we would start with math. Okay. Uh, let's say in this example, and we would gather the sensor data for, okay, what is your body doing when you're stressed? Mm-hmm. Then we show you another calm scene, like- Oh, okay. Hey, chill, vibe, look at this, Sunset Beach. And then we do another stressor. So that could be a Stroop task, for example. A what? Okay. A Stroop task is a neuropsychological task that we use where we say, (laughs) <laughs> it's it's devilish <laughs> i actually love it i, think it's- <laughs> I was gonna say you seem really excited it's devilish <laughs> <laughs> it's the funniest shit in the world to me people get so mad i i don't know if i should be a psychologist <laughs> your favorite part is stressing them out <laughs> I, I really enjoy it uh, okay uh, explain okay say you would have a bunch of words written and the words are the names of colors. Okay. Red, blue, green. They're just written. Okay. But the thing is, the word red is w- written in a different color. Would be written in blue. The word green would be written in yellow. I'm Got just it. making that up. Yeah. It's random. So I would tell people, read down the list, but tell me the color, not the word. 
say the color yes not and the ev- word. most people end up reading the word instead the of word. saying the color yeah yeah so it stresses people out yeah. it's actually a different neuropsych test i, th- I want to say it's a frontal lobe we we check out people's organizational and executive functioning using that but it also serves as a, a stressor yeah it stresses people right the fuck out <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have them do that for i don't know 10 minutes i'm just making up this timeline then we'll have them look at a beach again and calm down mm-hmm. other stressors could in include having them think about something stressful like being in traffic oh yeah yeah rush hour traffic would be a real good one yeah you could describe (laughs) you could say hey describe something or you could ask them hey describe something that you're afraid of to me like spiders or whatever Mm, and then that could be another stressor task it really doesn't matter super what the stressor task is as long as it stresses them out right and as long as you're getting a baseline and a stressor reaction exactly right so what we are aiming to see is what you are at baseline what you are during stress, and how you recover from stress. Oh, yeah. that Okay. Is also yeah. super important. Yeah. Gathering data. The data. <laughs> <laughs> and so a lot of times we see, well, if you are a person with anxiety, <laughs> we tend to see that the, the baseline, they're already prepping. They're looking in that sunset and it's like they're the already stress. like shit's going to pop. Shit's going to pop. They're waiting for the shoe to drop. <laughs> yeah, the stress <laughs> is increasing. You pretty much with an anxiety profile would just see stress just going up the entire time. The entire time. time. That makes sense. Yeah. So, that would be pretty standard with um it's not as um, not yet as evidence supported for PTSD, but when I did it as adjunctive treatment for people with PTSD, we just saw a strong plateau of high stress throughout. Mm. It's as if people were just carrying themselves, obviously, in a hypervigilant stance right. all day right. with no fluctuation at all. So it doesn't – they look cool as a cucumber. They're fine. But it's that they're constantly elevated above what baselines for people without PTSD would be. So you don't really see flex much in theirs gotcha. unless you get them to talk about something they really, really don't want to talk about, which we don't usually do. Fair. And people with chronic pain, you'll see – you will see different things with different protocols, but what I or with different disorders, sorry. But what I will say is that with respiration, stress is usually signaled on the computer screen by short, shallow breaths. Right. Yep. So it won't look like a wave. It'll look like little spikies. Okay. Very close together. Imagine very close together mountain peaks, mm-hmm. whereas it should look like a sine Slow, wave. Yeah. Yeah. Or Slow a, hills or whatever. Yes. Rolling hills. Rolling. Yes. Thank you. Rolling hills. Sine waves. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, it's like I can't explain. <laughs> I'm just glad you said rolling hills. I'm doing my best to not be a dweeb right now. And it's just not working no it is working it is Uh, okay yeah so you'll see rolling hills if somebody is calm and you'll see short little spikies if they are not calm on a respiration sensor for skin temperature you will actually see somebody's skin temperature plummet any idea why Mm, because the blood is going to the oh it's going to the core yeah but when you're in fight or flight, I thought the blood was going to your arms and legs so you could run, like, go into your extremities. The blood is rushing away from your extremities and into the center of your body. And so the blood would make it, if you were having blood rushing into your hands, it makes it warmer. Right. And blood rushing away from your hands makes it colder. When you are when you are in a fight or flight response, blood is going to go to your large muscle groups. Okay, so you're that right makes sense. in the sense that they'll go to your bicep or your quad. Got you, but just not gonna, the little tips. Yeah, they're yeah. Gonna, it's going to run out of the first half. So it is, it's going to retract back into like the center of your body. Okay, basically. fair like, enough. That you, makes sense. It'd be like the large orb. muscles. Yeah. Yeah. So like big things that need to run. Makes mm-hmm. sense. Another, so you'll, you'll get cold hands if somebody is stressed out. You will also get, um, if somebody is having, if they're becoming really sweaty, then we will see that on the galvanic skin right. response. And I don't know why I've heard two theories for why that would be. One is like, maybe you're really sweaty and you can slip out of things. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if you're in fight or flight. Yeah, I could maybe. Yeah, sure. Another one is that if you're really sweaty, sometimes that can add grip because it's like a yeah, another the set. Adapt. Yeah, because yeah. when you get in the water, that's why your fingertips get all yes. uh, pruny. Pruny. Is it so you can grip. grab better. Yeah. So we'll, huh. see, we'll see on the respiration sensor, people get spiky, short, shallow breaths. We'll see that people have lower skin temperature on their fingertips it would also apply on your toes or your feet or even probably up to your calves or your forearms 
Um, we will see increased sweating on galvanic skin response. We'll see increased EMG, like the little waves the on wavy the computer thing. screen. Yeah, more we'll, spiky. Yeah, more spiky. And your heart rate will go up. Your heart rate is going to go up when you're – usually when people are more stressed. There are some rare birds where that doesn't happen, but that's a whole other story. So, <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that is a that's, whole yeah, different – Yeah, that's a whole other profile. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about a different person there. So that would be a, a intake session, and then we would give the people that feedback about what their scores are. So healthy folks with good coping skills, less stressed nervous systems, those who are – you know, doing pretty well. Their respira- respiration rates usually at six to 10 breaths a minute. And that might sound slow to some people, but that's what we would see. Heart rate might be between 60 to 80. Skin temperature, it totally depends on the room, honestly. And gal- galvanic skin response depends on with per- within person. But if we're seeing some unhealthy things, we're seeing all of that kind of change in the opposite direction, mm-hmm. as I said. And then also struggling to re-regulate. Like you said, it's yes. that's the big factor too is, you know, if they're baseline versus stress versus now are you back to baseline or are you still elevated? Yes. Yeah. They don't they don't go back down. They're right. flying. They're flying high the whole time. And, yeah. And they might also continue to be pretty stressed out after that test, unfortunately, mm-hmm. which sucks. It's it's fun to stress people out who are doing, <laughs> who are doing well. <laughs> it's not fun to stress people out who are not doing well. Right. So once we gather all this biofeedback information, what kind of conditions can we really treat and what interventions might we use? Usually it's a it's not a standalone protocol. Like you said before, it's a very different for each person, but it's about three to six sessions for a specific concern, most commonly used for chronic pain, anxiety or stress management, tension, headaches, migraine, hypertension, uh, temp- I'm just going to call it TMJ, mm. but it's tetramandibular the joint, joint disorder. Uh, Oh, fuck. Yeah. The jaw. Yeah, the jaw. Jaw lock. Yeah. Jaw right. lock jaw. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so that one can be something that we do it for. Uh, it's not a standalone supportive depression for PTSD or depression, but it can be done for that. Right. And I also found like epilepsy, ADHD, motion sickness, and incontinence or bladder control. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Those things are all... I, I see those less, but it's not... I think it's just because of the clinic I'm in. Fair. I think they're I think they're a pretty common treatment. So my favorite type of intervention that I like to use the most is a heart rate variability, uh, resonant frequency training where you pair training breathing with training your heart rate. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's what it, that that makes sense to be the most effective because that's one of the most important things like we said in the beginning, if we can control our breathing, we can control so much about our stress response. Yes. So if we can learn those relaxation techniques yes. and slow that heart rate down. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes. And how many times have you had a client come to your office and be like, "I tried that. It didn't uh, work, right?" <laughs> all of them. <laughs> all every time. It's like, "No, you're not you're not going slow enough, man." Yeah. You're not well, breathing slow enough. Exactly. So why the biofeedback tools are so helpful is because what we can do on what the actual intervention is, is let's say we put a respirator for this, for this protocol, we would put a respiration sensor on you with a little belly belt. And then we put your heart rate sensor on you. And I would say, if I was doing it to Michaela, I'd say, okay, Michaela, sit down and look at this computer screen. On this computer screen are rolling hills. And that blue line of rolling hills is what your breath should look like. The red line is what the respiration sensor is actually doing. And then you see these little spiky, shallow guys. <laughs> <laughs> and we train. We say, okay, well, try the breathing that you've been doing at home. Right. Yeah, yeah let's, let's, let's practice the breathing that you've been practicing let's and see how it goes. It. Let's yeah. see if it, if it matches. <laughs> yeah. And then it doesn't. And they're still shallow. Yeah, it's always right. spiky, shallow guys. And it's like, well, no wonder the breathing that you've been trying at home isn't right. really working or effective. So we teach them how to do diaphragmatic belly breathing. Yep. And we then train them how to make the the waves into the rolling hills. And then we show them what that looks like for their heart rate variability. And we get them into something called resonant frequency, which is the amount of breaths that you're taking that most um, adaptively modifies your heart rate. So some people is at six breaths per minute, then they reach their best heart rate. Some people is uh, at eight breaths per minute. Yeah, that makes reach, sense. Yeah, okay, best, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can like see it. And then they will then, we'll have them maybe close your eyes or I'll move that screen over and I'll say, okay, now keep practicing in the breathing as it felt before. 
we try it without the little training wheels and then we bring the screen back up and we're like, okay, how are you doing? And it's inevitably a little bit better, Mm -hmm. but then we retrain it with the screen. We can also do things instead of just the direct method. Like if you have kids, for example, you can use the direct method, but then you can also have them play games. Mm. So if they're breathing in this resonant frequency range, the race car on the screen goes faster and beats <laughs> other race cars. Yeah. Or a puzzle piece goes into its spot or music will start to play. Okay. That's yeah. Really so soothing. there's little rewards when they get to their breathing to the right exactly. modality. Hence, I like that. Biological feedback. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Like, I like doing the games. <laughs> <laughs> I like that there's one where on the program that I used to use where you do the breathing and it would play this really soothing music and then the beach scene would start to come alive and the ocean mm. waves would come in and out. And I was like, yes. I like this one. <laughs> I had a training program online where you had to practice driving the car backwards. Like everything was in reverse. So when you you turn left to go right and it was all kind of like a problem solving practice. So you could learn that we're trying to do stuff differently and oh. it's hard to do it differently at first. It's hard to... That's push the cool. right button when you want to go left yeah you know yes. that is so funny I, this is totally off topic but i remember one time when our training training program wanted us to learn what it felt like to have psychosis oh oh man they put a uh, headphones on us yeah did they do this to you i've i've Was heard this it no torture no <laughs> they didn't do it to me but i actually wish they would have i have i've heard of the the people who have done this yeah continue. oh okay <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I was in a POW camp or, <laughs> or what was going on in that program. Really? You're going to learn today. <laughs> Our whole grad program was, have you ever seen Major Pain? Yeah. He's like, want me to take your mind off that pain? <laughs> I'll break your leg. <laughs> <laughs> that was my whole <laughs> grad program. <laughs> it was so bad. I'll be on you like white on rice on a paper plate in a snowstorm. <laughs> crazy in there (laughs) so well they put uh, they put headphones on us and in one headphone it would be a person maybe like background noise of people talking yeah just noise yeah Yeah. like a crowd like a crowd exactly a crowd and then one it would be music and then they would have they would say okay now pay attention to what i'm lecturing you on and take notes on this lecture yep. on psychosis. Yeah. And I, it was a, a really useful experience. And I mean, obviously, it's harder to repu- replicate uh, visual hallucinations, but that was how they replicated right. auditory. It was really nice. That is cool. It I know be. if you get on YouTube, you can actually find some like videos that kind of replicate that stuff so you can know what it's what it actually feels like. Yeah. Like that's the closest. I like. I think the headphones would give you a whole another reality of it. Yeah. But I have seen like some of the videos and it was it was eye opening in itself. Oh, yeah. Well, there's also that video game that we both have watched or played. Oh, Sen- mm-hmm. Senua's Sacrifice. And it yeah, was, that one was. Yeah, it was cool. It's about this woman who goes into the underworld to retrieve the soul of her husband. She's a warrior Viking. But it was m- modeled using actual mental health professionals talking mm-hmm. about psychosis. And she has uh, some kind of psychosis going on and she uses what the um, psychotic features are to find the clues in right. the environment. And it's actually a really good model of auditory and visual hallucinations. It's pretty cool. It is cool. It yeah. is cool. Yeah. I, I really did appreciate that one because it was – I mean, you can tell they used professionals to help yeah. build the game because yeah. it was on point. Yeah, I know. Anyway, we're totally off. <laughs> we are off We're off great. the radar. <laughs> <laughs> so – that basically going back to the biofeedback we can teach you how to play games and we can teach you how to manage your breathing or heart rate or skin temperature or whatever Mm -hmm. by mindfulness relaxation strategies visualization education and then using these games and visual tools right so it wouldn't again be standalone but it is helpful yeah it's helpful to to learn that and especially i think for those people who are really tactile and and they don't they're so they're very not in tune with what's going on with their body and they need to see what's happening. I, I think that that just further helps them learn how to connect and, and know what they're actually feeling. Absolutely. So finally, we'll just do a quick research review on the support for biofeedback. Uh, we're not going to go into too many specific studies, but we just want to know about how effective this is for treating different conditions. Yeah. So as we said earlier, biofeedback is complementary and alternative. It's not recognized right now as standalone practice, right. but adjunctive. 
the good news is there are some professional standards boards like BICA, BICA. I cannot remember what it stands for, but it's always a good sign when a clinical intervention has a standards board. Just <laughs> true. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Which is not always true in our profession. Unfortunately, people just do wild stuff. People do real wild stuff. And say it's okay. Yeah. So it's good that there is some standards board on this and it is used in hospital systems. It is. So there are there are it's decent research for biofeedback but it's not as many randomized clinical trials as we would hope right it's still very new it is yeah it is and i also think that the medical community it's a a disparate group of people are doing research on it so some are mds some are physical therapists some are social workers some are psychologists and so when the re- the research kind of doesn't always combine forces because it's a bunch of different silos. Right. Yep. That's what I was gonna say. It's all siloed out, and yeah. everybody is so particular about their damn label that nobody wants to share. Exactly. That uh. happens a lot in research. It's a little cray cray. <laughs> <laughs> so the research is okay, but not great. I-, I thought we could just maybe go through. I-, I wanted to tell everybody what the kind of levels of research efficacy were and then we could say okay well here are this condition is supported with this level for example so level one is not empirically supported and there's only anecdotal reports that this is useful so like you know there's no case studies there's no peer reviews like some people just think like a couple random people have done it and been like yep i like it but there's not been true research that's exactly it level two is it's possibly efficacious so at least one study had some kind of good results but there's no randomization and there's no control conditions Mm. so it's you know okay evidence right three is probably efficacious so we have several studies clinical studies well controlled that demonstrate efficacy but not enough Mm -hmm. level four is we do have lots of studies a comparison with a control group and a no treatment group randomized we have placebos there's some statistical significance so level four is really good level three and four i would say i would use usually right you would be more prone to be like yep we can try this like this seems yes yeah and level five is the tippy top it's specific we're 100 percent sure it works we do it so anywhere between three four and five i'm usually open yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. we've got ones and twos we've got a lot of things that are ones and twos so i just wanted to say the one thing that i know for sure is a level five it is urinary incontinence in females all right it's it's that pelvic floor that pelvic floor yeah Mm -hmm. stuff for physical therapists so it's not us (laughs) right well and there was actually a like i found one study that was a systematic review of all randomized controlled trials evaluating the effectiveness of biofeedback in adults with pelvic floor dysfunction and the there were seven trials that fulfilled like the inclusion criteria mm-hmm. and three compared biofeedback with non-biofeedback treatments and four compared just different biofeedback modalities and yep. the meta-analysis of those studies showed that any form of biofeedback compared with other treatments suggested that biofeedback had a six-fold increase in the odds of treatment success yes i totally believe that yeah it's a, it's a it's an underutilized technique and I, I think part of the reason why it's underutilized is because it has been relegated by the medical community again as complementary and alternative right and yeah so, it's not the first line of defense it's yeah. like okay this is still a problem maybe we should yeah. go a little further yeah and then my you know crackpot conspiracy theory is that it's not financially supported. oh of course that's a definitely a, that, that's not crackpot at all it costs money to get all those sensors it ha- yeah. it costs money to get all that equipment yeah and you're not making a drug company money exactly you're not, you're not making a pharmaceutical company money and so exactly it's not that does not supported yeah no that does not sound conspiracy yeah. at all that's real <laughs> the other thing too is that if, if you think about it in use in hospital systems and privately it is actually a very cost-effective treatment which is so silly why we don't use it, but it's not as used by professionals who are as quote unquote prestigious, mm, right? Like, yeah. uh, like uh, maybe, I don't know if it's a nurse who's using it and not a doctor, maybe that means something, you know? And so we don't want to support that sort of thing, which is silly to me. It's totally right. silly. It doesn't make Very any silly. sense. So, but it is, if you think about it, it's like, okay, this, this whole device and sensor, I wrote a grant to get these a long time ago for one of the hospitals I was in, and it was probably $7,000 bottom to top to have the program, the training. That's not that yeah. much for a hospital. Exactly. And one inpatient stay, if you can pre- prevent a single inpatient stay in one single patient, it's paid for itself. 
So it's just like, what is right? The, why are we it, not doing more on this? Why I, are we funding this? I don't know. It was so silly. It was such a pain in the ass to get the grant too. It was uh, anyway. Not surprised. But the only way that we got the grant was proving that if we it can present prevent one, or if we can prevent one patient having an opioid overdose mm. because whatever, and they don't have to use a naloxone kit because they've you know got some biofeedback skills instead, then we prevent X amount of dollars of waste. That's the only real way to get things done in a hospital. It's kind of crazy. Uh, well, so what were the other levels? Level four is the pretty, pretty darn good one. Right, right. These are still good. Yes. <laughs> so we want to use anxiety. So we would use this for anxiety, ADHD, as you said early, earlier, headaches, migraines, hypertension, TMJ, urinary incontinence in males, actually. Nice. Level three, there is some good but not clear yet research. And I have done this for pretty much all of these for substance use use arthritis so uh chronic pain is a little different than arthritic pain but similar epilepsy as you mentioned um fecal elimination disorder so things like constipation um, Mm. headache in kids insomnia and traumatic brain injury and Mm. level two it's like the maybe maybe this is going to happen would be things like depression or ptsd so i do have a i really do think there is some good I think PTSD needs to be explored more. I think right. that's one of those areas where if they do reach research that more consistently, then I think they're going to find really good results. But Agreed. I think they're going to have to pair PTSD treatment. They're going to have to do like, Oh, yeah. No, that like – Yeah. I feel like anxiety, you know, the relaxation treatment alone helps so much with anxiety. I mean, granted, you need that – you need the thought – Yes. you know modification as well Totes. but with ptsd you like really need the thought yes. modification like yes. <laughs> you really gotta dig in so i i can see change. how i mean because anxiety and ptsd have similar presentations Vibes? yeah <laughs> aesthetics yeah <laughs> uh i can see how it would definitely be something that we need to research more but yeah yeah it, very conjunctive you would want to do it in yeah like with to yeah. with cpt treatment or yeah i've gotten pretty i've gotten pretty wild before where i'll have people doing i will have them do like a prolonged exposure protocol with me and then um i've worked in clinics where we had people who did acupuncture so Mm -hmm. then we would after you know completing a prolonged maybe even before it depends on the person but Mm -hmm. As a phase-based approach, one of the things we would do maybe on the front end or the back end after the exposure treatment would be acupuncture or biofeedback to help them down-regulate even further. Right. So it, d- it definitely did help as a phase-based treatment that I saw, but that, again, that's anecdotal evidence. We're yep. not yet at a, mm, a level of... Right. This hasn't been validated. Yes. This hasn't been yes. redone enough yes. times with enough people. Yes. And don't do it alone. That's not going to cure it alone. I think oh, everybody God, no. everybody touts, you know, okay, Reiki is going to cure your brain tumor. It's not going <laughs> to cure your brain tumor necessarily. It could be cool to be helpful in all right. of these different ways. It could help ways. you manage things a lot better and manage right. those symptoms better and right. help you maybe recover quicker. Right. But we still need the, the, the regular primary yeah. interventional method. Right. right. And that's the same with these kind of mental health conditions. Right. I did see one study that talked about using it in relation with uh, chemotherapy. Oh, I bet that would be good. Yeah, it, it did. It suggested um, the positive effects that were found. It was only 81 cancer patients that were randomized. So, I mean, it was a kind of a small study. Still good. But it showed a de- decrease in the nausea and the anxiety during chemo and a decrease in just the physi- physiological arousal after chemo, too. Oh. That's really good. But it did suggest that partially it was the relaxation training, yes. you know, that really helped with that, obviously. Of course. But yeah. They would have to, it would have to be like, you know, you'd have to have the relaxation training only as one group and then the biofeedback plus relaxation training right. as another right. group. But it's hard to do that sort of stuff. It is. You know, when. And I feel like as a, I, I get being a scientist and, and doing that, but as a provider, as a, sometimes yeah. it's really hard to be like, I'm not giving you my all. I'm not giving yes. you all the stuff that I think will help you because yeah. I want to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 When, I kind of hate that a little. Yeah. Well, when I, that's even something that happens in when you do a naturalistic study, like let's say you were in a hospital and you were testing out, they did a study recently on cognitive processing therapy versus prolonged exposure therapy. And 
you know, you're randomized to one group versus another and you're the therapist providing the treatment, of course there's therapist infidelity to the model. Because, right. Because you're going to be looking at this person in front of you and you're going to be like, I know this other thing that we're not supposed to be doing in this treatment is going to help this person. Right. And you just kind of slide it in. It's not good right. science, but it's we can't help ourselves. Right. We're providers. We care. <laughs> we care and we know that you need this thing. <laughs> <laughs> we're not always the best scientists because we know what would actually we, – we're just trying right. to help. We're, yeah <laughs> because we're helping we ruin the scientific experiment yeah exactly so anyway uh, i can i can definitely vibe with that as my dog vibes with many things <laughs> so for you what do you based on all this what do you want to do for an outside of podcast experiment i think for me right now i just need to make sure i'm doing my meditations <laughs> <laughs> we're going back to basics folks. yeah i i just can't handle much more i feel like i feel like there's got a lot uh, already for my little turtly ass to manage so yeah, yeah. we'll just we'll just slow things down even further and get some more meditations in i yeah. i need that right now yeah How about um, you? what do i need i need i i don't know what i need <laughs> <laughs> having a hard job honestly all i can think about is watching sweet magnolias on netflix it's like <laughs> Like, out of left field yeah, it's just this like mom ass hallmark ass show that is not i don't know it's like a comfortable Do you have a heart rate monitor it'd be cool to see if maybe after the show if how relaxed you feel m g mm. that is such a good idea an experiment okay Boom. here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna take my heart <laughs> that's so funny what a good idea so <laughs> that's i will take my heart rate before i watch sweet magnolias directly after work and then I will watch an episode of Sweet Magnolias, which is basically the Hallmark Channel. Right. And I will take my heart rate afterwards. I like and just that. just see what happens. I dig it. But then I also have to – then I would have to just do a day where I just did nothing for an hour, too, right after work. Because my heart rate is naturally going to come down after work because work stresses me out. Right, right, right. So, yeah. No matter I'll, what, after it's going to be a little elevated yeah, and it will decrease some. I'll do, yeah. I'll do a little experiment. That's super cute. I like that idea. Cool. Do you have a joke for me, Sunny? I do. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Some people will tell you that you have a rapid, regular heartbeat, and it isn't a big deal. But that's AFib. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every yeah. audience, atrial fibrillation, AFib. Right, AFib. right. And they're telling okay. AFib. AFib. Okay. Uh, yeah. I like it. I like little it. medical psych joke there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hit me. Mine's not qu- – it's a little on brand, but not quite. Okay. A man walks into a psychiatric clinic wearing only saran wrap for pants. The provider says, well, I can see you're nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I, one, I one time heard that joke where I can see you're clearly nuts. Oh. It's like clear saran wrap. I that love works. that so much. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for tuning in so much today, guys. We're getting a lot of positive feedback on the pod, and we're just really, really appreciating the support. Yeah, so. we really do appreciate the support. You're helping yeah. us keep going. Yeah, it is. It is a. It's a breath of fresh air to do this outside of work. We really, really love it. So, thank you for all of your supportive words yes. and kindness. And for those of you who donated, even more thank you. Oh, so so much. A super thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's our pod this week, folks. We will talk to you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye. 